Murphy, this is Tom. Are you, are you out there? Yeah, I'm out there. How are you doing, there? buddy? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excited for our big show tonight. We're going to talk about uh, Cooper. 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 Yeah, so you've got a theory. Let's let's hear your premise, buddy. Well, first of all, one of the things that, uh, a recent thing that I came across, something that I, I had read many, many years ago, there's this great book, Lynch on Lynch. I think the author is Chris Rodley. And um, I think it, I think the interviews took place between Firewalk With Me and um, Lost Highway. But there's this great quote um, when they're talking about Firewalk With Me and the ending of the original series. And Lynch, or Lynch says that Coop wasn't occupied by Bob. A part of him was. There are two Coops in there, and the one that came out was with Bob. So... What I started to think about, because you know, we've seen these episodes a million times, et cetera, et cetera, but I, it, it gave me a new interpretation of watching Cooper in the Lodge. And if you really kind of read into what Lynch is saying in this quote, is that we really never see, have never seen the real whole Cooper since his shenanigans in episode 29 of the original series. So the Cooper that we're seeing in the Black Lodge, in this entire series, in part one, part two, and at various other points, is the split Cooper, is the good Cooper without any of the darkness. And obviously, Mr. C is out there in the real world with Bob and has all of his darker qualities. But we don't see the full Cooper uh, really kind of you know uh, uh, united, the Cooper that we know, that knew from the original series, until he exits the Black Lodge in part 18 and meets Diane. That's very interesting. I had not thought of that before. I thought that maybe he was just himself going out there. But then you also mentioned Dougie, right? That Dougie was kind of an offshoot of that. So the good Cooper was in the Lodge and ended up going into the Dougie realm, and he just was the same. He didn't bring any evil with him because he didn't have any evil with him. Yeah, it kind of... Sub- yeah, it supports that, right? So when he actually goes and exits the lodge and goes on that journey, which we think is still part of the lodge, but for narrative's sake, he is the embodiment of that good Cooper. And it makes sense. Like you called him the Buddha. He is just without, he's this kind of newborn. And there's also a great quote that Lynch gave one of the EW guys, I think right after the series premiered. He said that... Uh, Basically, uh, this is all about coming into the world as a new life and learning your likes and dislikes and doing the best that you can to find your way. But this is the good Cooper, and he rubs off on everyone, whether it's Janie E., Sonny Jim, the Mitchum brothers, Tom Sizemore, Bushnell, everyone, because he really is the embodiment of good. It really kind of supports this split Cooper that he doesn't have any dark qualities within him. But on the flip side of that, that he doesn't have you know, anger, jealousy, uh, self-doubt, any of these, you know, qualities that, that we all possess. And on one hand, it's a, it's a good thing, but he is not a whole person at this particular point. And I think it, it kind of segues into his decision-making when he goes back 
into uh, uh, back to uh, 1989 to save Laura, that still is the good Cooper. And I don't think he was making the best decision at that point. And I think his whole um, uh, arc of, of going in part 18 to find Laura um, is to rectify that mistake. So as soon as Mr. C died in 17, then he becomes whole. That's, that's the first time in the series. So that in 18, when we see him going through all of that, he's back to being whole Cooper. And he's not able to solve the mystery there with Laura at the end. But then also when he's the good Cooper and he's in the lodge, he also was not able to solve <laughs> the mystery. <laughs> right. Well, we don't see Mr. C until the very first shot of part 18. So, and Cooper is still in the lodge at that point because what we see after Mr. C, you know, um, in flames basically um, is that whole scene in part 17 again where Cooper is leading Laura through the woods. And after she's pulled out of the woods, he gives that kind of like look like what? And he looks down and you see a little bit of a light flash on his face and he's back in the lodge. And what he's doing is kind of going in the reverse manner that he did in part two and he winds up exiting the lodge and i think the only reason he exits the lodge at that point is because mr c has been returned and it is also there's a callback to the evolution of the arms line in part two that you cannot or you cannot go out until he comes back in which is obviously a reference to, to Mr. C. And I always thought that was, okay, well, you can't leave the lodge until he returns. But it also works on another level. Like, you cannot go out and be yourself again until he comes back inside of you. So there's really, like, a double meaning to that, which I never really thought about, which would make sense with these split Coopers. So do you think that, like, I guess when Mr. C died, got shot by Wendy or Lucy in 17, then, like, the Cooper finally became whole in the car with the Mitchum brothers driving to the station? Do you think he started like yelling at like the Mitchum brothers and Candyman and Sandy as soon as the dark side came back? <laughs> no, because I don't think see that Cooper that we're seeing at that point in part seventeen, that's still not I, I don't think we're we're dealing with the, the, the real world per se. And I don't think he really is technically out of the lodge because what we see is once he recognizes NATO, um, we see that big Cooper face. Um, and then I think what he realizes at that point that he is living in some some kind of construct. And, of course, he gives the line, we are living inside of the dream. So I don't think that as soon as Mr. C was shot that he immediately becomes whole again. I think that there's kind of a process. And Lynch is showing it to us by Mr. C being returned to the lodge and Cooper actually leaving the lodge. And when we see him, the first thing we see is him meet Diane. And you can kind of see kind of the melancholy Kind of like a little bit of, you know, uh, the wear and tear of the 25 years. It's still, it's not that Cooper we saw in 16 and 17. The kind of joyful little Boy Scout. Because so, that's the first moment where he is really kind of uh, reunited with his darker self. Well, that's very interesting. So, <laughs> you wanted to also talk about, like, the evolution of Cooper throughout the entire series? I know the moves I'm supposed to make. And I know the board. So. I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. And I've started to focus out beyond the edge of the board at a bigger game. You can make a, a stark contrast with the Cooper from the original series. We've got 29 episodes, but really in relation to the Lynch-directed episodes. And Lynch has always said, and for him, Twin Peaks is all about the pilot, You know, th those first two hours. Now, of course, he directed you know, many more hours after that. And we used all kinds of events and backstory and everything that fed into to season three. But when you watch Cooper in the Lynch-directed episodes, 
you see that a, a different performance from Kyle McLaughlin, a different Cooper than what you see, I think, in any of the other episodes. And there's no greater difference than the pilot, where the Cooper that we see is more like the Cooper that we see here in season three in part 18. And I think the, the number one scene for me that really kind of defines that, I'm not saying that we're seeing some kind of time loop here and that he really is, you know, this is after the fact or a different timeline, but when he's talking to Bobby, interrogating Bobby and says that, well, you didn't love her anyway. I mean, that that is not a Dale Cooper kind of line. Um, to, to say at that point. And when he says, who's the babe to Harry in reference to, to Josie, I mean, that's that's still, that's that's also not like a Cooper line. You can say that maybe, well, this is the pilot. They're just writing it, you know, the beginning. They're trying to get a, a foothold of, of the characters and Cooper wasn't really well-defined. But if you look at all the other Lynch-directed episodes with Cooper, specifically the second season premiere, it kind of goes back to that same Cooper that we saw in part one. Yeah, so that's interesting. I never thought about like the, the real Cooper that everybody loves and knows, like the, the one that is really a Mark Frost creation. And that's like not the darker, more nuanced, uh, tortured Cooper that Lynch believes in. Right. Well, I mean, they both kind of take credit for Agent Cooper. And, and both, I know Frost has said that Cooper possesses some of his qualities, but I, I, I kind of go back to a line when Frost was talking about writing Twin Peaks is that the, the pilot was Lynch handled pretty much most of the Cooper dialogue scenes and, and, and Frost handled like all the Ben Horn stuff and did all the heavy lifting with, I think, all the other real characters. But Cooper seems to me more of kind of embodies Lynch more so than Frost. And especially in, in, in the first season, what we're seeing is, I think, really kind of an extension of Jeffrey Beaumont, the character in Blue Velvet, not only with his representation, like kind of Jeffrey Beaumont goes to the FBI, but also like you know, Blue Velvet meets Twin Peaks. It's almost like, I'm not saying it's a direct sequel to it, but you see the uh, the influences. But I, I've always suspected that like Cooper is more, embodies more of Lynch's ideas or his personality, his traits than, than Mark Frost. So if we go back to episode 17 when Mr. C died, if that is all a part of the Unified Lodge theory, then really that's like not even the real Mr. C death. Like there was a delayed version of that that really happened in the real world that happened in 18 and that the one we saw in the Cooper dream was just like his projection of it happening. But it didn't because that's why it didn't instantly transfer as soon as he dies, Mr. C dies by the hands of Lucy, that he didn't become whole again in the car on the way over. Is that the theory? Well, I, I guess so. I mean, because for me, it's 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 the the time. I'm gonna say inconsistency, but it doesn't seem to be playing in kind of a linear fashion. I mean, we've got that at you know with any different you know moments throughout the the season three, um, where days seem to be non-linear. The whole Bobby scene, like with uh, meeting his mom and getting the message and then going to the diner and saying it was like just the, the previous day when it was like three or four episodes prior to that. So there are some time inconsistencies. The fact that we see Cooper, Agent Cooper, the good Cooper, the split Cooper who is good, in the lodge in part 18 after all these events really kind of supports that he really never really left the, the lodge that we're seeing is a construct you can say it's the dream we live inside the dream or it's this manufactured reality i don't think that you could really kind of say as soon as mr c's life form ended and he died 
that Cooper automatically becomes whole again. I think there's some kind of process. And I think that <laughs> yeah. process is <laughs> the taking place in the lot. Yeah, you have to go through a <laughs> trial. Yeah, I yeah. See. and one of the other real, real interesting things too is um, I saw this image on Twitter, and I think I had seen it before, but you know, all the wealth of, of information. But in Firewalk with Me, the real, the iconic scene where Jeffrey shows up um, in the Philadelphia offices, there's a shot of Cole when he stands up. If you notice the clock on the wall, it's at two fifty-three, which is you know very curious because obviously what we know at two fifty-three and and this new series, but before that uh, event happened, before Jeffrey shows up, Cooper goes up to uh, Cole and says, Gordon, it's 10, 10 a.m. on February 16th. I was worried today about the dream I told you about. So what was that dream? I've always tried to figure out what that dream was, and I always kind of assumed it might have tied into Jeffrey's or Cooper reenacting his dream with the surveillance cameras, but what if... Just like in the original series, when Cooper is telling Harry and Lucy about the dream in uh, episode two about seeing Laura and the little man, the man from another place, that he says it was suddenly 25 years later. What if Cooper had a similar dream back and you know, during the fire walk with scene, uh, fire walk with me scene that was related somehow to the events in part 17 of season three? Yeah, so maybe he's been having the recurring lodge dream, but instead of Laura, it was like Philip Jeffries. He Possibly, yeah. But remember when <laughs> uh, at the end of that scene in part 17 where the, uh, the, the lights kind of go dark and, and Cooper goes, Gordon, and Gordon says, Coop, that same thing happens in Fire Walk With Me. They both say kind of the same thing right when I think uh, Philip Jeffries is about to come in or maybe when he just entered. So, And plus with the 253 and Jeffries saying we live inside of a dream, it really kind of, kind of feeds into uh, the Part 17 vibe. I'm not saying that that is what was intended, but there's some linkages there. Do you already think that like Cooper was inhabited by Mr. C when uh, Philip Jeffries walked in and firewalk with me and says, who do you think that is there? Do you think he already was or was he predicting that because he's a time traveler and knew what was going to happen? Yeah, I think that's what it was, is that he's uh, been going on these time jumps. It might have been the first one. Who knows? But probably not. And I think that he recognizes Cooper at that point that he knows that Mr. C exists and he's not able to kind of uh, disseminate or differentiate between Cooper's at that point. And he's just giving uh, a, a little clue like, you know, Cooper, you know, who do you think this is here? It could very well be Mr. C, but there are some really curious, I think what Lynch is doing in Fire Walk With Me, since it was so, uh, it was so um, soon after the original series, I think he was playing with this idea of the split Cooper and not a typical Leland Bob, like a possession, a host parasite. And we're getting um, some subtle visual clues. First and foremost is what I was just talking about, the surveillance camera um, reenactment, or not reenactment, but the scene where Cooper is going and seeing his image on the uh, surveillance camera. I mean, that not only foreshadows the event of two Coopers, but if you notice when he sees his image in the surveillance camera, it's like a static shot. It's like a Cooper without any kind of empathy, without any kind of emotion, and the Cooper that's watching it is very emotional. So it's a little foreshadowing, I think, of for what is to come, and I know Lynch wanted to do sequels to Firewalk with me, and there's also another shot, the last shot of Cooper 
um, in the prologue where he says, he's talking to Diane and says, this is one of Cole's Blue Rose cases. The way that he frames, Lynch frames Cooper in that shot is, you know, one half of his face is in total darkness and shadow and the other half is in light. So I think he was starting to play with this notion of these split Coopers for future iterations. He just wasn't going to go and dive into it in Firewalk With Me because he wanted to tell the story of Laura Palmer. But he added enough of the, you know, the Blue Rose cases, Philip Jeffries, for future iterations. It just took 25 years for us to see it. Yeah, do you think that, like, Philip, since Philip Jeffries can time travel and everything, right? So he knows he could, or at least should, should be able to conceivably know the end fate of Cooper, right? So if he goes back in time... Uh, and goes back to, to warn Cole and Cooper, you know who that is? you think that if he was redeemable, if, if Cooper was redeemable, he would be giving him some sort of instructions on how to redeem himself, but he didn't. He just kind of came back and said, you know who that is there? Like, he's, he's doomed. So maybe Cooper is doomed. Well, yeah, but it, it also doesn't it kind of mirror Cooper in Part 18, like not having maybe all of his you know, mental faculties that Jeffries himself, by transporting from Buenos Aires to Philadelphia— wasn't able to kind of elucidate clearly what he wanted to say. Hey, you know, there's there's a, a Mr. C out there. There's He can only get out certain phrases. I mean, he says that, doesn't he go like, hell, God, baby, damn, no. And he says all these weird little yeah. fragments. So I think it's <laughs> it's because of the time jump or what, you know, his brain's kind of being scrambled through, you know, the electrical uh, portal that he transported through. And we're seeing the same thing, I think, with, uh, with Cooper in part 18. Yeah, maybe that time was the very first time that Cooper split. Like in his dream, he dreamed he was going to split. And then he's looking at the camera and he does split. And uh, Mr. C, that's the first semblance of Mr. C right there. And uh, David Bowie walks right through that that vapor trail of Mr. C-ness. And maybe right. that's why uh, Cooper, when he walks, he's like, Gordon? He's like freaked out. You know, he's like a kid. He doesn't seem to have his savvy, uh, like if he should be able to know how to act um, or be a little more composed. Maybe that's because it was just his pure Dale. Uh, childlike self there freaking out because his uh, bad side his savvy FBI seasoned detective was standing out in the hallway yeah no I, I agree with you I think that's what the intent was is to uh, portray these split Coopers and and Lynch is is showing this what I want to ask you is one of the big things from Firewalk with me um, that I really was never able to kind of figure out was um, his message to Laura to take the ring or don't take the ring. Don't take the ring, Laura. Because we know that if she took the ring, that that would not allow Bob to possess her, but it would also mean that she would be killed. So my question to you is, do you think that was Cooper maybe acting selfishly of knowing the full mythology of the ring? If she took the ring, or if she didn't take the ring, she would be dead. He would never come to town and never wind up in the Black Lodge. So it'd be kind of very oh, a be horrible. act. Very dark. Wouldn't it be horrible? Yeah. Or does he just not understand the, the, the mythology of the ring? I don't think I don't think I even understand the mythology of the ring. I think I'm very confused about whether it means it's good or it's bad or what the fuck is going on with the ring. Do you know? Do you want to explain to our audience? It's got to be some anything. people out there that you don't owe oh, you. Don't, I was hoping you. What do I know? I'm just a guy <laughs> riffing here. Okay, yeah. what's your theory? What's your theory, though, just so we have it on record? Because I'm not sure what I think about the fucking ring. Well, honestly, I think that, I mean, if you were to you know, hold me to some kind of answer related to the ring is I think that the mythology uh, is, evol- is evolving, was nebulous. I think in Fire Walk With Me, because we didn't have any you know, uh, references to that ring in the original series. It's something that he came up with along with the Blue Rose cases and um, Philip Jeffries. So I think that 
what we know of the ring in Fire Walk with Me and what we know of the ring in season three is is a little bit different. I think it evolved over these 25 years and the ring in Fire Walk with Me, I think, represented um, uh, uh, a curse to those who would wear it, which, you know, is in line with, 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 with season three, but more so with that, with the scene with Bob and the man from another place that it seems like the man from another place kind of created that, that ring um, to somehow thwart Bob from collecting all the Garmin Bozia. Cause we have Mike, the one, our man in fire walk with me possessing the ring. And he's the one who actually gives it to Laura so she won't be possessed by Bob, so he can ultimately get the Garmin Bozia that he does get in the Black Lodge, the last scene of Fire Walk With Me. So, but I think it's different in The Return. I think that the mythology was expanded, but it, it, I mean, it's not the cut and dry in Fire Walk With Me, but that's how I see it in, in that movie. Is that why Bob didn't consume Donald Trump's soul? Trump somehow what? survived. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because he wore the, the ring. Wait, because with, he didn't Frost, die. <laughs> that's right. Didn't Frost mention that in that was it the secret history? No, yeah, he Trump mentioned had the ring. Uh, yeah, so did Nixon. So did Jack Parsons. So did I believe one of Lewis or Clark, maybe or something yeah, it was like that. Meriwether, Joseph. Yeah, it's Lewis, like a Julia, yeah. I don't know who had it. But <laughs> see, I always thought that like it was a part. Like if you had it, that you were like a part of the damned. Like, but you were not, you're like, I guess it's a protection, but have you ever seen somebody walking around with a ring that didn't have, wasn't haunted somehow or affiliated with the lodge? Uh, no. Right. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. all are right. Yeah. I mean, the, the only, I don't real... think I would want the ring. Like you just, if somebody offered me a ring, I'd say, oh, I don't think so. I don't think that. <laughs> the only one that I don't think that we saw, cause we saw Ray put the ring on and wind up in the lodge. Right. Um, yeah. We saw Dougie who had the ring who wind up in the lodge, but when the Tulpa Diane was shot and presumably killed, she was sucked out of the room in, in that motel in Buckhorn. She wound up in the lodge, but she didn't have the ring. So why did she go to the lodge? Did Ray have the ring? Yeah, did Mr. C tell him to put it on? How did he get the ring? That was the whole thing. Remember in part seven, or not in part, yeah, part seven, when he was in jail, um, he said to Mr. C that oh, before yeah. he met him, some guard, <laughs> yeah. some mysterious guard. A mysterious guard, yeah, just gave it to him. Yeah, so he gave him, yeah, gave him. It, the, we think uh, that might be like the one-armed man. With a giant, like somebody with a, like the it's Al Strabel dressed up like a security guard. Or I don't know, right? I mean, that's, I mean, it's got to be, he, the one our man is the, I wouldn't say the owner of the ring, but with this ritual of people coming in with the ring and it falling off, he seemed, he picks it up and puts it on that table. So he, and he gives it to Cooper in part 16. So he seems to be the the person who give the ring to someone else I mean, what the purpose of that is i don't think he gave it to dougie though uh, but he very well could have given it to ray you know what's also interesting is that never once has any version of mr c cooper dougie anybody ever been offered the ring or worn the ring right or held the ring right well mr c dougie. did he dougie no he oh was dougie had the ring that's right yeah, dougie, dougie had, had the, the ring. ring yeah what dougie the fuck the ring. well was that really a ring or was it like a, his dream ring <laughs> no, that was the ring. I think he was marked. See, like why would saying. he... Uh, okay, there's got to be more than one ring then, right? No, I don't think so. I think that was the ring. And I think the reason why he had the ring was when he was... When he spewed out that Garmin Bozia, that he would get pulled into the lodge. Because that's what we know about the ring, at least in season three, is if you die, when you're wearing that ring, that's where you go. So Mr. C wanted Dougie to go into the lodge so he wouldn't have to return. So 
I think that's why he somehow facilitated the ring getting to um, uh, Dougie. But it was like, how did he get the ring? Because he seems deathly afraid of it um, at other mentions of the ring. He doesn't want, when Ray has it, he's, he doesn't want to have anything to do with it because uh, he knows what that means. Yeah, I always thought that maybe like the mysterious uh, wedding ring, Dougie's wedding ring in Major Briggs' stomach, like maybe somehow there was a ring swap. Like Briggs had the, the, the yeah. owl ring and, and it somehow s- switched. And that's how he got his, uh, his wedding ring in his stomach. It, it certainly it holds true. At some point, obviously, he lost his wedding ring. It was replaced with the owl cave ring. And don't you think Janie E. would want to know why he no longer had the wedding ring and he had this strange... Yeah, what the fuck's this? <laughs> I know, you right? pawned this? You lost this at the casino? <laughs> right. What is going on? Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, because we're, we're kind of straying a little bit, but with the evolution of, of Cooper... Um, going back to the, the original series and starting with the second season premiere is in every Lynch-directed episode. So he directed, I believe, four episodes in the second season and related to the giant in the second season of Twin Peaks, who we know is the fireman in uh, season three. But every Lynch-directed episode in season two has Cooper being visited by the giant. And there was only one other time in the actual second season where we saw the giant um, in a non-Lynch-directed episode, and that's when he was uh, kissing Annie when she was going to enter the Miss Twin Peaks contest, and you saw him on stage going, no. But the the idea of the fireman that we didn't like that. That was. But that was a non-Lynch-directed episode. Yeah, so they they screwed it up, yeah. Just like they screwed up Bob. And the man from another place on uh, Josie? Josie died. <laughs> oh, God. That yeah, that was the train wreck. They should have put the giant on the bed, too. Because <laughs> everyone. They should have. Why not? Yeah. Don't you remember not? back but, in the day, like, whenever they re- they changed the different day? A Twin Peaks was on, like, Sundays or Thursdays, and it switched days. And it had been off the, the air for a while, and they were doing ads uh, for, like, to let everybody know if the time changed. Do you remember that? I think it had, like, the little man, like, Cooper. and They were all in his bedroom, his room in the Great Northern. Did I make that up? Because I remember like uh, that being like a, I think maybe the little man was on the bed then. Yeah, no, that was a, a promo when they were put on hiatus. I think that was the promo that they used to tell the audience that they were coming back. And it was, from my memory, wasn't it a whole kind of Wizard of Oz Yeah, vibe? Wizard of Oz, like he's in bed, like then they're all sitting around. Like it was, do you think Lynch was like, hey, uh, you look good on that bed, little man. Let's put him back on there. <laughs> Maybe not him. I guess it was Harley or whoever the hell it was. Harley Payton. Or... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Hey, you know what? But, I think uh, that we should put that guy on the bed again. Make him maybe Lynch directed that little. I mean, obviously, if it was a Wizard of Oz reference, who better than David Lynch to uh, throw that out there? All right. So it didn't mean to stray too far off the, the, the Cooper train. No, I was here? talking about the, the, the giant uh, in season two um, related to um, uh, Cooper. And... What he said was, I thought, I think one of his first lines, uh, or maybe I can't remember if it was in the second season premiere or the next episode that Lynch directed, but doesn't he tell Cooper that we want to help you? Doesn't he say yeah. we want yeah. to help you? Yeah. So my question to you is, okay, so what we know about him in season three, the only other person we see in his domain that might be a spirit like him is Senorito, uh, Senorita Dido. Dido, but we also saw him in the Black Lodge in the last episode of the second season. So what do you think that we represents? I think they're all connected somehow. I think like that it's not just the giant in the White Lodge and a senior rate of Dido and that's it. Cause I think we saw that Cooper could go from 
the black lodge to the white. So I feel like that it's some, because he, and we saw the giant was hanging out and he was supposed to be, uh, remember he got cut out. The, we saw in the DVD behind the scenes that he was going to have a scene in uh, the return in the black lodge as well. So I think it means that that's that he's talking about the, the good entities of the spirit world or whatever you want to call it. Um, that it's not just him. There's others. Right. I think and that's we've a only good, seen a couple. Yeah. I think that's a good explanation because there's another line too, that remember when Leland, um, when his death scene that he says, I think the line is that um, um, when he was talking about Laura in relation to Bob, that they wanted Laura, but she was strong and she fought them. She wouldn't let them in. He's referring to multiple, like they, like plural, and them. Yeah. And what we all know about from what we saw, at least it was just Bob. But that was a very curious thing, especially what we know about Sarah Palmer, the fact that he said that in the original series, I'm not saying it's foreshadowing, but it makes a lot more sense of what we know about Laura. Yeah, I maybe mean, turn the ceiling fan on, Bob comes out, or you turn the microwave on, Judy comes out, and you turn on like the vacuum cleaner and the jumping man comes out. And it happens. <laughs> Whatever, different like electrical portals yeah. or sockets. We just we have a different, to see those, yeah. If we have a different entity. Every different appliance, yeah, yeah conjures. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be the light sockets that they're plugged into. Right, because every right. socket could be a different uh, portal of evil. Well, one other thing, too, I want to mention is regarding Richard, the moniker Richard that the fireman mentions, obviously, in part one, and Diane mentions in her note. But I wanted to think, because he still refers to himself, Cooper still refers to himself as Dale Cooper in part 18. He doesn't refer to him as, himself as Richard. But what I was thinking about was in, in part 16, was the episode where Cooper awoke. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the opening scene of part 16, isn't that where Mr. C is with little Dicky Horn, Richard Horn, and he dies? Am I wrong yeah, about that? Yeah, on The Rock. That, on yeah. The Rock, right? Yeah. And part 16 is also the episode, the part where Audrey wakes up. So Cooper and Audrey both wake up from whatever, you know, dream construct or you know stupor that they're in and the link it the link between the two of them is their son now it's not obviously the split good cooper but it is his split darker self that impregnated obviously audrey horn to create richard horn but becoming whole again agent cooper it's still a part of him actually you know, impregnated Audrey Horn. So Richard is really his son. I mean, not, I mean, it's kind of confusing, but it does make sense if you think about the, the split personalities or the split identities when they come whole again. So I'm wondering if the Richard is not a reference to little Dickie Horn and his whole plight, but somehow uh, the reason why that name was given to him is another little kind of reminder of his shadow self. Like becoming like whole again, like what you know he did, because Cooper failed at the end of the original series and caused all this mayhem for 25 years, having his split persona go out there and kill all these people, make billions of dollars, and murder, rape, pillage, all this stuff. And the reason why we have the name of Richard could be a little like subtle clue to Cooper as a reminder. Yeah, so his death in the same episode in a weird way caused uh, Coop and Audrey to wake up. That's interesting. Possibly, he I mean, had I, gone so he pushed, he gone too far. Is that what it is? Mr. Well, C I needed just, to be, he needed to be stopped. So they had to wake <laughs> up from did. their dream. <laughs> but I just found it curious that that though that ep, that episode contains both of their awakening, 
and the link between them is Richard, their their son. Even though it's not that good Cooper who impregnated her, it was his, uh, you know, his his shadow self, his darker self. Always, I'm still interested and fascinated by that 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 scene up on the rock and like what that was, the coordinates and like that zapping laser. Like, is that just a lodge laser? What is that? <laughs> Maybe it was set up by the Polish accountant beforehand. Yeah, it seems like it was actually uh, made to torture. Like, you know what I mean? Because it could have gone a lot faster. It was like a faulty, like a uh, getting electrocuted in like you know Texas in 1955 in a really bad like uh, machine. It just took a long too took too, too long to go. It could have been killed much easier. Well, maybe it would have taken so long if it was actually Mr. C up there, uh, or maybe it would have taken longer. I don't know, but it obviously was the coordinates that Jeffries gave him in Part Fifteen, and the coordinates that Ray gave him, and the coordinates that Diane gave him was the were the coordinates that led him ultimately to Jack Rabbit's palace. Correct? Yes, we've talked about this extensively. Okay, so what I want to do is talk about. Okay, this is the real, real kind of big thing. This will be the meat of the evolution of Cooper. Um, because it ties into really kind of his his main storyline. If what he did was in part 17, um, after the events at the sheriff's station, when he went to um, uh, in the furnace room and met the one-armed man, Jeffries, and went back in time to save Laura, if that obviously was a mistake, he wasn't the whole Cooper at that point. Um, and what he is doing in part 18 is trying to rectify that decision. But what I want to go ahead and spit, uh, spin here is that if we're talking with the, the split Coopers, a, a very defined good Cooper and a very defined bad Cooper, could we very well have the same thing with our other iconic character, Laura Palmer? Um, have a very defined good Laura and a very defined bad or corrupt Laura, as I, as I call her, one that isn't possessed by Bob, but one that possesses more of the darker qualities of, of you know her soul and the other one that possesses you know, the, the more positive aspects. And I go back to Firewalk With Me when we have the dream of the painting where Mrs. Tremont gave her, she put it on her wall, and she went in. We saw Laura go inside that painting, and we saw her with her hair all made up. It was kind of the Laura that we saw at the very end when she got her angel. And I think it kind of represents the, the good Laura. And the Laura that kind of woke up, saw her, the ring in her hand, was, I think, more of the corrupt Laura. Because at that point in Firewalk With Me, I'm not saying like to a T after that, but we're dealing more with kind of a corrupt Laura, like the whole scene with Bobby killing uh, Deputy Cliff and she's, oh, you killed Mike and oh, here's a pine cone and really not taking it seriously. And then when Bob is crawling through her window and the lights start flickering, you see her pull down her her bed sheet and kind of like, you know, pull her, her little nightgown up a little bit. And she has this little mischievous smile. Like she kind of, part of her wants Bob to kind of, you know, come in and, and have sex with her. And she even tells James like your Laura disappeared. Now it's just me now. So what if the corrupt Laura was the one that in Firewalk with me was actually killed. Right. And she, her spirit never went to the lodge. She is just dead and buried in Twin Peaks Memorial you know, cemetery because Donna, Donna even say, you know, that doesn't seem like they even buried you far enough. You're still, you know, kind of, you know, out there, you're still, you're still affecting all these people's lives. And the good Laura who was trapped in the painting, which we know is the Dutchman's, the convenience store is the Laura that got the angels at the end of Firewalk with me. And the Laura that we're seeing in the black lodge uh, through Cooper's representations or through Cooper's mind, whether it's a subconscious or not, is the good Laura. 
that's very interesting. So, okay, what about the retcon, though? At the end, uh, what does that mean? If the good Laura never really died and she's been in the lodge the entire time, if they retconned her bad Laura's death, is she now complete? No, so what that would mean is that the Laura that Cooper saved in Part 17 is this corrupt Laura, and she doesn't die, and she gets pulled out of the woods. That's the Laura that goes to Odessa, the corrupt Laura, okay? The Laura that we saw in the lodge, who also gets kind of pulled out, is the good Laura. So what Cooper is trying to do in Part 18 is to find, he doesn't know, I think, I don't think he would know about the split Lauras. He's just trying to find Laura. But what's happening is, is that when he goes, when they cross over, right, they're in what I deem like one little kind of like timeline or another dimension when him and Diane go to the motel room. And I think that's where he is supposed to find or is going to find that good Laura. But when they have that sex scene and he wakes up the next morning and she, he, uh, he reads the note about Richard and Linda and he goes out and he's in a whole different timeline. There's a different car. It's a different motel. That is the timeline. That could be the Judy universe. That's where Carrie Page, the corrupt Laura, is. And he brings her back thinking that he is rectifying a wrong, but he's got the wrong Laura Palmer. And just like the split Coopers, that Laura Palmer herself cannot be whole again until she unites as well. And what we're doing, what we're seeing with that end shot of the scream is her obviously kind of, you know, realizing, I think, her identity, the memories of everything, the darkness of everything, but leading into future iterations where we're going to get the Laura Palmer story like we got with Dale Cooper having to kind of reunite and become whole again. So if they had just kept going in 18 when uh, they went through the first portal uh, and they said if, they, this, they, if Cooper had not pulled over to have sex, then they, could have, they were still in the good Laura world and they could have maybe found her. That's what I'm saying. Yes, something happened with that sex scene. Well, the ritual, yeah, the ritualistic conjuring of, of evil. That's what happened. Well, that's it. I can't. I can't. It's, it's Parsonian. I can't wrap, it, it really is, but I can't. I can't really wrap my head around it if it was intended. Do they really intend to actually perform this kind of ritual, or was it just something that happened naturally? Well, I maybe mean, it was the Cooper dark side. They just he'd just been put back together again, right? Maybe that was him fucking right. it up. The dark side screwing things up again, having a yeah. little evil Satan sex, devil sex, Judy sex. <laughs> and Diane gets the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, and she's out of Cooper. There. She's already right. detaching before they even went in the room or went to the hotel. She was already like disassociating, splitting. Right. I'm splitting literally. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's right. But that would really be uh, interesting if we're dealing with uh, uh, two Laura Palmers. And obviously we don't have enough screen time with Laura to really kind of give it any kind of uh, really kind of justification. But we know Lynch and the theme of duality. And we certainly got 18 hours of that with Cooper and any other um, characters with this theme of duality. It certainly would make sense with Laura, the ultimate, I think, definition of duality, that she very well may be uh, going through a similar situation as Cooper, minus the possession of Bob, because I don't think Bob, uh, there's any kind of a Judy bug in her. Well, she got all. her face off. Who's the girl with the white, the, the glowing face in the lodge? That's the good Laura, right? That would be the good Laura. Yeah. See that, and, and, and what Cooper is seeing in uh, the original series, at the end, he sees the Cooper or the Laura 
um, that he knows, and he sees her doppelganger. But he sees everyone's doppelganger, basically. And that, I think that really what, we're sh- what Lynch was showing in that um, in that episode was he was just doing the foreshadowing with Cooper and his shadow self, that he was seeing all of these doubles or whatever. I don't think it was to imply that there are two Lauras in the Lodge. I think that what her role, Laura's role was intended to be in the lodge, whether to actually be killed or somehow to just find herself in there via this painting. That was her role. And the whole idea of the Black Lodge itself not being very dark in this season three, I think some people have kind of posited, well, Bob's been gone so long, so he's not bringing back the Garmin Bozia. There's no kind of pain and suffering. And on one hand, okay, sure, there, there's something with that. But if you have Laura Palmer's presence in there for 25 years and what's behind her face is this glowing white light, it would make sense that she is having a positive influence on the events within that Black Lodge. And when she gets pulled out, that only then do we see the doppelganger of the evolution of the arm set off this you know wild course for Cooper to uh, you know get pulled out and sent on this whole cosmic journey. Yeah, so like the good Cooper and the the pure good Cooper in the lodge and the pure the pure good lore in the lodge, they just couldn't do anything. They were useless together. They need you need to have some dark side <laughs> to have some savvy to be able to form some plots to be able to take down evil. You know what I mean? You got to have a little That's evil true. in you to take down evil. Right. Absolutely. And that's what we're seeing. I think is we're seeing the two positive sides of our two characters. And what happens is they both wind up getting out like, uh, you know, not themselves. Cooper, obviously, uh, through parts three through, uh, you know, 17. And Laura, we don't know what happened to her when she got pulled out, but we can certainly uh, posit many, many, many things. Um, and Carrie Page herself, I think, is just a very interesting character. Certainly seems more on the darker side. Um, so if there were to be a season so. four, then it would be like the fully formed Coop having to bring Carrie Page and finding the, the good Laura and merging them together. But that would be a storyline, you think? And don't yeah, you think, but, eh, would, would we end up finding, having like a Dougie Laura like somewhere out in the world? <laughs> Chelsea, I, I mean, yeah, Chelsea Gardner instead of Chauncey Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's as cut and dry as that. I mean, certainly if they were to do it, I think they already have some ideas of what. Um, Hopefully, not ten episodes of it. We couldn't take this shit. <laughs> oh come on, go on, but you did Dougie. Not again, no, right? no. We can't do Dougina or Dougette. Wouldn't that be interesting though? Have well, yeah, to make it fast, make it all fast. Sure, yeah, yeah, make it, yeah, make it quick, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, Laura is the one, so it would make sense that a season four would be more focused and on Laura because we got Cooper back. Uh, we saw we get a little bit of a glimpse of the, 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 the Cooper that we all know and love from the original series, but that still wasn't the real Cooper. I mean, we got the Dale Cooper and what a big, um, I wouldn't say a fuck you because that's not, I don't think that's Lynch's and Frost's intention to the fans, but if you're kind of going to go along, go along with this, this, this theory of the, the split Coopers and the whole Cooper really only appearing in part 18. I mean, he had what, like 35 minutes of screen time? That's even it. Less th- yeah. That's it, right? That's it. Even less than the Cooper that we got <laughs> in, you know, 16 and 17. Yeah. That's insane. Very interesting. The world wants the real Cooper. So maybe we need to get some in season four. Maybe we'll, that, See, I really don't have much hope there. I really think the only way we're going to solve this thing and have a happy ending, which we never will, but if we were, uh, it would have to be Laura. She would have to pull go, the good Laura, or the, the two Lauras would have to be combined together, and the good Laura would have to somehow use her retconning to become the Joan of Arc-type golden orb savior that has been uh, preordained by the giant, and she would have to push it. Push, because uh, I, I think Cooper is useless. I don't have much hope in him. And redeeming himself, do you? I do. I do have hope. 
Yeah, I do. I think I don't think I think it would be a mistake to continue with Cooper um, with this um, with this this iteration of Cooper is what I'm trying to say. I think that if we were to get a season four, it'll never go back to what we saw in the original series. But I think that over time in subsequent episodes, or if it was a movie, that he would become more familiar with his darker aspects and be able to kind of rein them in and kind of control them because I think that's what he had been doing his whole life. If you read the secret, or not the secret, the autobiography of Dale Cooper, it's fascinating because even though it was, it wasn't, Lynch had nothing to do with it, but Mark Frost's brother wrote it and he saw Bob as a child. His mom saw Bob. I mean, there was a, there was a passage where he killed a bird. Yeah, like a young Cooper, like killed a bird. It's like it seems very, uh, I would say, sociopathic, but uh, seems very uncoop like. So you know, if you kind of read into that, if if you consider that canon, Cooper is a, 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 just like the rest of us. He has some darker qualities and has made some bad decisions. And we've only seen more kind of like the Boy Scout. Uh, through the original series, but we did see glimpses of darkness and certainly with Caroline Earl, Wyndham Earl's uh, uh, wife. I mean, he's, I think, wholly responsible for her death and uh, what happened to Annie and not being able to foresee that, Um, all kinds of things. And if you really want to think about Cooper himself, what what I was trying to tie into with with, with the giant before and the fireman was that Cooper is a very good detective, but he's not the greatest detective. I mean, he solved the murder of Laura Palmer because of the otherworldly events. If he didn't have yeah, the giant, yeah. he would not have solved the murder, or at least wouldn't have solved it you know, when he did. Yeah, or even like the one-armed man or whomever it was, like causing the rock to hit the, the, the you know, nervous about meeting Jay and all the different stuff that he did intuitively, he would not have figured out on his own. No, he wouldn't have, and that's what he needed in part 18. He needed a moment Somebody's like taking steroids where... or something. He's juicing. He's doing <laughs> right. lots of juice. <laughs> he needed... <laughs> the giant or the fireman or Mike to visit him in part 18 to help him out, to give him some kind of clue because that's what he's needed throughout the whole series, the whole cycle of Twin Peaks. He And he, they weren't there. And I think there's a very good reason why they weren't there. He was in either some construct where they couldn't get to him or maybe they didn't want to give him that information. Maybe they needed him to kind of fail on his own. But I think it, without their help, and being so helpless himself of being kind of reintegrated with his shadow self that we saw bumbling, fumbling, stumbling Agent Cooper in part 18. Well, it was also kind of like a, you know, heartless Cooper. Like it wasn't the same Cooper. Like it's almost like the dark side when it came back into him, came back stronger or, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't able to be the normal, his normal Cooper self. He was serious and weird and pulling guns and kind of kidnapping Carrie and not really asking her like be, being very uncoop like so that, and also pulling over the second he had a chance to have sex and conjure uh, Judy Satan with, uh, you know, <laughs> screwing that up and going to the right. Judy dimension. You know, he's, he's making all kinds of mistakes. It's almost like the entire exercise of his dark side bank being, you know, be, the whole point of this, I would think is him trying to, or the lodge teaching him a lesson on whether he can, you know, conquer the, the darkness within him. And it seems like he has not at all. Like, it's almost come back stronger. He's not murdering people in 18, going around, but he's got the gun out. <laughs> he's brandishing <laughs> it. To innocent civilians throwing guns and fryers and stuff. So maybe the, the dark side got stronger. Maybe it didn't work, this whole exercise. Well, it certainly didn't. But doesn't it make sense that if he was, you know, his whole self again for the first time, that the darker qualities would be a little overwhelming at first? Oh, yeah. And it would take a little time to kind of... That's true. He's still scrambled. Yeah, I don't you think that's... like in season four, maybe the giant should just give him like a green gardening glove? Like that should be, he's a superpower. 
right 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 cherry pie power or something coffee power something well he has he has some i think he uh, he doesn't have like a freddy glove but he's able to and that this is one of the big questions is the whole time traveling thing was that do you think that the philip jeffries or was it the one or man really kind of facilitated him going back in time because jeffries said well all right here's you know, the, the the little eight symbol, the infinity symbol, and this is where you'll find Judy. You can go in now. But the one our man did his little mojo yeah, electricity. Mm-hmm. So who they do you both think? Did. You think it was a- well, I think both I think they both had to do it. I think maybe the Philip Jeffries had the the the, the doorway and that like uh, what's his name? The one our man had to like, you know, do the conjuring to make it happen, cast the spell to go through the door. Well, I think also that if you watch the one-armed man, Philip Gerard, in that scene with Jeffries, when uh, Cooper's saying, like, hey, you know, February um, 23rd, 1989, you see him kind of shaking his head at various it's times. Like, not like, again. No. no, like, no, like, it's like... Don't do it. Right. And also with him, and this is still part, this is, this is part of, I still think, this good Cooper and part of this dream reality this lodge reality that 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 he's dealing with because when he goes in that furnace room and he sees the one our man what we see is him speaking forward for the only time in the entire run just like he did with yeah the what does that mean home. well I, I think for me it, it's it's a callback obviously to you know the 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 scene, his first dream that he had of these characters in the original series. But it's, I think, to imply that at least in this little gateway, in this furnace room between that doorway and Philip Jeffrey's room, that the one armed man, at least at this particular point, is not bound by the lodge rules or within the lodge. And he's able to act like Philip Gerard and speak normally and not backwards. Yeah, that's interesting because they were kind of like in the convenience store because they went to go see, uh, you know, he was in, they they went up the stairs and we had seen the the bosomy woman speaking backwards there, but he wasn't speaking backwards. Well, no, that there that scene with uh, Philip Gerard and Cooper takes place in almost complete darkness. We don't know it's the convenience store at that point. It's just we just see them their 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 faces surrounded by darkness and after he says the poem don't we get like some close-ups uh, close-up shots of them with some electricity on their lightning as lynch yeah. says and, and and then then they're in the convenience store so i think they're in but as lynch would say between two worlds oh yeah okay that's what you're saying that's, that's what i would say that's i really like that forward. bit i love seeing him speaking forward that was really cool i got the chill yeah. i like i love that through the darkness of future past Magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds. Fire, walk with me. The one armed man, if he is partly responsible to be able to facilitate Cooper going back to 1989, it really gives. Uh, more weight to his line, is it future, is it past? If he's like the magician in the poem and is able to go ahead and make this happen for these, you know, enlightened ones. The is it future, is it past thing is that like he might be saying like, dude, haven't we done this before? You know what I mean? Well, that's what I always thought it was. We're in a loop here. When he says that both times in part two 
and in part 18, I think it implies two different timelines, right? Isn't that what the yeah. implication is? Yeah. Yeah. But for me, like I was saying, is with him being able to somehow facilitate time travel in conjunction with Jeffries in part 17, that he can also make it happen. This is future or this is past. It also brings to light possibly with with Jeffries being in that scene and Jeffries going backwards and forwards in time. We don't know anything about Jeffrey's storyline other than the little bits that we saw in Fire Walk With Me and him as the machine here in the new series that he very well could have been uh, visited by the one-armed man and had very similar experiences that Cooper has had. Yeah, just like Ray in jail when he got the ring. <laughs> right, exactly. Do you think yeah. the one-armed man ever gave Philip Jeffries a ring? Uh, I don't know. Well, doesn't Philip Jeffries in The Missing Pieces, the right right before he disappears, he says the ring like three or four times. Oh. The ring, the ring. What he is describing, what Jeffries is, is describing in Fire Walk With Me about, uh, I, I've been to one of their meetings and we see uh, the meeting kind of take place, that he was privy to that particular meeting where the man from another place kind of created the ring and saw the woodsman, saw Bob, and and that's why he would say the ring, the ring, the ring. That he knows that um, its its importance, its relevance, and could very well know its intended victim. Yeah, maybe he was at the the the, the wedding ceremony with this ring, Ivy Wed, the original wedding ceremony. <laughs> right. Whoever got that first one, he was there to, to view it. And the little right. man was the ring boy, ring bearer. <laughs> right, exactly. Where am I? And how can I leave? Do you really think that the Cooper that we saw in the Black Lodge is not the whole Cooper? Is just this one half, this this good Cooper? Do you yeah, think I buy it because I don't. That? Yeah, I buy it because I don't see any other. He never did anything questionably evil. He was like pure his pure self in there, right? The whole time in the Return. Completely. You yeah. Know? So completely. I do buy it. And I like the idea that maybe that the good Laura and the bad Laura split because we always even before the Return started, you were we were you were fixated on that the painting scene where she goes into the painting. And that she had maybe split there so that the real Laura never maybe died. And then we realized that that painting was inside the convenience store, which is in the Giants, you know. So it kind of ties in. I think that could be a storyline. Season four, yeah, if you ever get around to it. Do you think that there's, with all these different timelines, because related to, to Sarah Palmer, it wouldn't be a Chopping Wood Inside podcast without at least a couple of references to Judy here. Do you think that there is one timeline where Leland was possessed by Bob and tried to possess his daughter and that there is another timeline where Sarah uh, was host to this frog moth, frog moth slash like Judy and tried to destroy her daughter or do you think that it was some kind of retconning that Sarah was always host and it was just dormant for all these years? Well, I think Mark Frost wants you to think that Bob and Judy were living in the, the house together, and Lynch maybe wants that maybe you think that the retcon happened and that there was two different versions, although it was never overtly stated. But I like that theory that after Bob was after the first retcon happened and Bob was vanquished, then the evil had to come out somehow, and it was Judy through Sarah. So I like that idea. Yeah, be- I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's any definitive answer. Like until they get to a season four and thinking about how they would continue the story, I'm not sure they even have an answer of what they want to believe, you know, they love, they, they love the mystery of it. They love us sitting here talking about it, you know? So, but 
But I like the idea. I like the idea of the retcon and the, the Sarah. Because I don't – I just can't imagine – that's the whole thing that's so shocking is, like, people go, what? Like, that Sarah was had fucking Judy in her the entire – the whole time <laughs> in the first original series? That just seems unbelievable, you know? So that would yeah. explain it. If there's two timelines, that would explain why she wasn't inhabited in the first iteration. And then my other question to you is – if with this retconning, Laura wasn't killed, obviously, we had that brief glimpse of Leland as Bob when Laura gets on the bike and he leers out the window. He's looking out the window, that great Ray Wise yeah. look at, with Bob. If, if Laura wasn't killed, what happened to Bob at that particular point? Because Cooper, obviously, as we know from the final dossier, still came to town, but he didn't stay very long. So we have this whole timeline where... Maddie may very well not come to town. He may very well not have killed Maddie. Or, well, Frost said that Maddie's be, still alive, right? So she didn't come to town. Right. And Leland killed himself like a year later, like uh, with the base of the Great Northern Hotel where Maddie's body was found. Right? Yeah. But would Leland have still killed Teresa Banks if Laura didn't die? Well, that happened beforehand, That's right? That's what I'm saying. So probably. Right? Possibly, yeah. But where is Bob in that timeline? Where did Bob go? I would think that Bob, yeah, took off as soon as he killed Leland. He was like, you're no use to me. Killed him at the bottom of the thing, and then off he went uh, into the ether as an owl to become Trump or something. Go and have it. Do you think there is a timeline where Leland isn't Bob at all? No, no. Okay, so you think that there's kind of no. there's these. I think that has to the, be. You know, what I'm saying there's got to be some things that are constant. I right. still think that that even if you retcon Laura out of it, I don't think he would have the power to retcon Bob out of Leland completely. Personally, well, do you th- do you think Bob exists in the world? of part 18 somewhere even though we didn't see him yes well maybe not in that universe but he's uh he's he's just gone he went through the roof in 17 and he's flying out there he'll come back <laughs> he's scattered into a billion pieces but he'll be back for sure yeah you can't kill bob <laughs> the visual clues that the fireman gives andy in part 14. So um, I've always taken shots. them. 14. Yeah, 14 right. shots, right? Exactly. 14 shots in part 14. Um, I've always considered them uh, linear. Okay, like from, you know, because we start off with the glass box monster. We see, you know, uh, the experiment, Bob Bubble, Woodsman, and then ultimately uh, uh, Laura, Mr. C, and Cooper, and the NATO, Andy, and then it ends with then Lucy, and then it ends with the electrical pole number six. But it doesn't make any sense. That whole that all those visual clues, the the outliers with the narrative that we're seeing, um, that will climax in part seventeen is the Laura with her angels and the number six electrical pole. Like why were those included in the visual clues to Andy? Yeah, that's unexplained. I have no so idea. So what I what I posit is that don't consider those clues as linear like if or maybe they exist on two timelines uh to foreshadow this retconning because if you remove the events that actually pertain to the climax at the sheriff's station in part 17 namely the the mr c and cooper andy and lucy and the nato uh shots i think there's two shots of nato then all you're left with is the extreme negative forces, Judy, uh, Bob, Woodsman, Convenience Store, Electrical Wires, Laura Palmer, and the number six electrical pole. So what if 
what we're seeing is Lynch giving us the audience and not necessarily Andy this these visual clues, this foreshadowing that okay, yeah, okay, we're gonna, we can put together okay. Andy and Lucy, the gun, you know, two Coopers, okay, NATO, she's very important. But there's no reference to Laura Palmer, seeing her, the angels, the number six electrical pole. It doesn't make any sense in the construct of the narrative climaxing in part 17. So what if Lynch is telling us, hey, there's going to be this retconning, this other timeline, and all of these forces, these extreme negative forces, are all leading to Laura Palmer and the number six electrical pole, her being represented by Carrie, uh, Carrie Page. Yeah, I think think about people that have never seen, where they're not obsessive like us, that had had no idea what the <laughs> hell was going on. You know what I mean? That was probably for them. So they're like, what? Because they have to give them, like, rem- remind them of what's, you know, this whole Laura thing, because it hasn't been a part of the entire series. You know, so I think you're right. It's like, and also I like the idea that, like, if she's the retcon thing, that somehow, you know, you said episode seven, they stopped mentioning Laura, you know, and that this is a way to bring her back you know, into the consciousness for the audience and for the community because she's coming back. She didn't die now. Right. And if Laura is the one in all of those extreme negative forces, you know, Bob was wanting to, you know, get her, you know, since the very beginning that they did get her and those visual clues. And it's represented by that, uh, the high school girl screaming because Lynch included that shot. So that's represented of her murder, right? So they won, they got her. And then Laura uh, transcended, and we see her in the lodge, you know, represented you know, by her angels, right? But there's also with this retconning, the number six electrical pole, that it's not the, that by Cooper saving her, that that creates this whole new timeline. So what these extreme negative forces are going to do is they're going to hop onto that timeline, and they're going to go ahead and get to Carrie Page, and Cooper's got to obviously get to her. You know, before they do, or maybe they've already gotten to her somehow, because what's in her house is not good. There's a dead body, and there's a white horse, which represents death, and she is not in a good place. Yeah, it could be a precursor that uh, instead of the, the golden orb lore coming back, because you would think the retcon happens. Oh, yay, Laura's not dead. She's the good, Laura's coming back, but really the bad Laura's coming back. I'm not me. Uh- I'm not, I'm not me. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not me. I, I don't subscribe to any of these tulpa uh, notions. And I know that we have the Diane tulpa, we've got the Dougie tulpa. We got two Dougie tulpas basically. But the fact that, you know, Sarah might be a tulpa, uh, Laura or Carrie Page might be a tulpa. I think people are getting like too tulpa crazy. I think it's a very, I wouldn't say an easy out, but... Uh, compared to what I think is really happening is far more interesting than really just kind of ascribing Tulpa to something that we don't understand. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Tulpa is just uh, like the the dummies, or you know what I'm saying, the manufactured Duggies and Dianes. They're not like the, the doppels or the split personalities or the inhabited souls. Yeah, I completely agree. That? Oh yeah, I know one thing. We're gonna both we're gonna both be split until season four. There's everyone <laughs> walking around, wandering around, good or bad, never uniting. <laughs> until next time, thanks for tuning in.
10.10 a.m. on February 16th. I was worried about today because of the dream I told you about. 